Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome in to Players Only with Chiefs Radio Network color analyst Danon Hughes. Excellent throw and catch, just gets inside, uses his big body. No answer for number 87. And former NFL linebacker Joe Mays. Mays missed him first. And in typical North Dakota State toughness, Mays got up and stayed with it and got Newton from behind. Players Only, presented by U.S. Bank. Whatever your passion, U.S. Bank can help turn it into your next pursuit. Good afternoon, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You are now tuned in to Players Only. Haven't really had to say that very much because normally we are on the air from 6 to 7 each Thursday during the season here at 610 Sports. But because of the holidays, we got thrown a little bit of a curveball. So these last two shows have been only by way of the podcast. So you can... Download Obviously, you download the Radio.com app to get us, or maybe you are listening via a tweet or post by yours truly. I am Danon Hughes. I'm in here in the studio with my partner, Joe Mays, linebacker, former linebacker in the NFL, eight years. He and I have gotten together for these last three seasons on Players Only. And for any new listeners out there, Players Only is just a roundtable. Normally, we have Barbershop, Sean Barber, who's also a veteran NFL linebacker in the studio, but he is tending to COVID protocols because he was around someone who was around someone who had COVID. So, smartly, he is staying home in quarantine until his tests come back, but this is a roundtable discussion about everything that's going on on the field, off the field, in the NFL, and possibly around sports just the players, just us former players. Joe, eight-year vet. I am Danon Hughes, six-year vet in the NFL, also played professional baseball. And we are back by podcast due to the holidays. We'll be back to our normal slot on Thursday evenings next week as we talk through this Chiefs playoff run and so on. But, Joe, welcome aboard. It's after Christmas. How was yeah. your Christmas? Oh, man, Christmas was fantastic, man. Just having that time to... You know, just chill and relax with my family. You know, let the kids open their gifts up. You know, see the smiles on their faces, hear the laughs. Spoiled them. Yeah, man, spoiled my kids. I spoiled my wife. Um, I think I spoiled my mother-in-law as well. So, you you know, just being able to do things like that, um, you know, it just brings joy to your life and it puts things into perspective. So, had a great time, man. How about you? Yeah, well, all went well, man. We had three or four of our kids home. My other son is living in San Diego. He came back for my birthday a few weeks ago yeah, yeah, as yeah. you got to see him in studio, and he's back there. But we had the four kids home, grandkids swung by, uh, did some karaoke, hung out. My wife cooked up a bunch of food, so we always eat good during the holidays. So, nice. yeah, it was definitely a blessing to be around, uh, being smart, not having the huge gathering like we used to, but being smart during these COVID craziness. 
and uh, being responsible. So, Absolutely. yeah, it was really, really good, really nice, different. And I talked to a lot of people around town, not just family, but friends uh, in social media. If you're on social media, follow me at DAHughesGuy83 on Twitter. And a lot of people chiming in, hey, this was different, this was quiet. Didn't know how it would work, but it was actually relaxing. So hopefully everybody out there had the same type of experience during the Christmas holiday. During that Christmas weekend, we got extra gift as well. Yeah. Uh, since this is a sports show, we got to talk about the Chiefs. Chiefs winning a couple of days after Christmas against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, a tighter game than most people thought. Yeah. Yep. You would agree? I would. I mean, you know what? The thing is, I brought up this question last week. You know, did, did we see this as a trap game? Yeah. And, you know, w- when you're playing against a team who don't really have much to win at this point, at this stage in the, in, uh, in the season, um, who has an interim coach who's trying to fight for his job yep. or another job across the NFL, and you have players that trying to, that's trying to fight for their job on the or, in the organ, within the organization, uh, y- you face a dangerous team facing yeah. a team like that. So, um, to me, it seemed like a trap game, but – uh, those guys, they came out and they played hard, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they gave the Chiefs everything that they had. You know, they 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 put it all out there on the field, and they actually, uh, I was gonna say, it was the gift of giving. They gave away quite a few opportunities to be able to uh, close this game out, yeah. and you know, they they wasn't able to capitalize. And the Chiefs, they they had a chance to get that W. Yeah, Joe, it was a tighter game, seven seven at half. I think that's probably the closest that we've seen this Chiefs team. Uh, in several weeks, I think even going back to the first Chargers game in week two where we saw a tighter game where yep. the Chiefs weren't as efficient on offense. But you're right. And, and we talked about it last week, and I think people overshadowed because going into the game, you had a team in the Atlanta Falcons that was 4-10. and 10. And just because of the record, you know, you go back to that old Bill Parcells uh, statement where he talked about, you know, you are what your record tells you. Yep. That's not always the case. Love Bill Parcells, but I don't necessarily agree with him 100% on that because there are really good teams. And this Falcons team was a team that just figured out ways to lose games in the fourth quarter. But if you look at them quarter one, quarter two, quarter three in games, they were looked as good as anybody in the NFL. Mm -hmm. It's just the fourth quarter they had continuous slides, and now they have shown themselves at 4-11 and basically – that they're a team that just can't figure out how to get out of their own way in yeah. the fourth quarter. That showed itself as well. 7-7 at half. The game ended 17-14. Not the offensive output that we've seen the Chiefs have for a lot of the Patrick Mahomes tenure at yeah. quarterback and this year. But yet, we're still sitting at 14-1. and The first time this Chiefs organization has ever won 14 games, yeah. which is a great accomplishment, especially after a Super Bowl run and knowing that this year you would have a very difficult schedule and knowing that everybody would be coming to decapitate the head of the best team in the NFL and the Chiefs are standing strong at 14-1 and one and a number one seed going into the playoffs. So a lot of positives, but in that Falcons game, Joe, uh, I thought there was some things that caused a little concern. Mm-hmm. They seem this is the first time that I had seen Patrick Mahomes a little looked a little confused. Yeah. Looked like some of the twists and stunts that they were running, uh, zone blitzes, dropping linebackers, the interception he had at the goal line yeah. that almost turned into a pick six if it wasn't for the extra effort of Tyreek Hill. 
I thought that was something he eyed his receivers. The last almost interception in the end zone to A.J. Terrell, yeah. he eyed his receiver from the line of scrimmage. Hadn't seen a whole bunch of that from Patrick Mahomes. I thought he was pressing just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've been in that situation where we've both been on teams that were really good. Yeah. And we're playing against a team that, whether by record or just by confidence, we believe we're much better than. And then you look up at the scoreboard and you're like, dang, how are these cats still close to us? <laughs> right. And I think that's kind of where he was and his offense was going into that fourth quarter, at least coming out of halftime. Like, we should be blowing these dudes out. Mm-hmm. These dudes are 4-10, and 10, and we are 13-1. and one. How on earth, on our home field, is this game tied and they got momentum? That's an any given Sunday moment. Yeah. You know, any given Sunday, any team can come out and play well. Any team can come out and play bad. And, um, you know, although the, the Falcons haven't been a good team all year long, they came out and they played extremely well. Um, I, when was the last time a Mahomes-led Chiefs team scored no points in the first quarter? Well, you can go back to the Charger game. I'm just going by memory right now. I don't have it in front of me. You go back to the first Chargers game this season, week two, and we had a very dismal first half. And mm-hmm. I want to say we caught fire in the second quarter yeah. with a touchdown. That kind of sparked down momentum. But I yeah. think the first quarter, it was either at the end of the first quarter we got a touchdown or something happened where we got some momentum. But it was a slow start. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, it, it just had me It had me thinking. I've never really seen a Chiefs, uh, a Mahomes-led Chiefs team that couldn't get anything, that couldn't put anything together in the first quarter. Yeah. Um, and with him – it's kind of alarming uh, with him getting the pressure that he's been getting from the opposing defenses, whether it's you know just the front four or whether they toss in a blitz here and there. It seems like he's getting a lot of pressure, and it's forcing him to, to uh, do some things on the move, which can be a good and a bad thing. Yeah. It, can, it can it can help you um, you know by creating more time so that you can you know catch your guys up downfield. You can also take off and scramble and get a few yards here and there. But at the end of the day, I think it kind of it, it, it doesn't seem like it's something that's been working 100% of the time. I think it's been putting a lot more pressure on him. And um, unfortunately, you know, just it's been creating, I think, a little bit more chaos than it is good. So I think, you know, just learning from that game film, he's going to have to do some more things by sitting in the pocket. Maybe the run game is going to be able to carry them a little bit more. Um, maybe he can get on the, on the, on page with uh, McCole Harmon because it seems like, for some strange reason, those two are not. They, they seem like they they're out of sync a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, hopefully, they can watch this film and kind of get some things together because they they definitely didn't play their good game, their best game this week. And it seems like the last couple of weeks they've been kind of um, you know playing down to the level of the teams that they've been playing. I think that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because to me, a lot of what you said is really encouraging. Mm-hmm. And I think if people listening, they might think, "Oh my gosh," you know. You know, the sky is falling. This team is not where they need to be. It's week 17 coming up. They're going into the playoffs. What What does that tell about this team? And could there be an upset brewing? And I would say no. I think it's encouraging that we have a team that's not perfect yet. Right. That they are not playing perfect football yet. And one of the bigger things that I brought from this game, and I agree with every point that you made on the offense and getting in sync and pushing and pressing a little too much, is this was the first game, and I mentioned it during the broadcast, this is the first game that I felt like the defense propelled the offense. Yep. And you know that's hard for me to say. Uh-huh, with you course. linebackers, you and Barbershop in here, and me as, a, me as a former wide receiver. But this was the first game where I thought it was abundantly clear that the defense 
stepped up and propelled the offense. And I'll go back to a specific play. It was the interception, the return, Tyreek Hill tracking down, knocking the ball loose. And from that moment on, the defense stepped on the field when most teams in that situation would be down, they'd be frustrated. Oh, my gosh, you guys were going in the score, and now they're about to go in the score. Yeah. It's a tight game. Defense could get you know in their feelings. And those guys rallied. They really like did. They took, they took it on their shoulders like, all right, so you want to you wanna fight now. Like, yep. You know what I mean? Like You want to you hit people with garbage cans like yeah. in, in Harlem Knights. <laughs> like, you want to fight now. And the, the defense stepped up. Now, we'll give credit from the first play of scrimmage in the beginning of the game. Frank Clark and Chris Jones came with their lunch pail. Definitely. They put pressure in the face of Matt Ryan in that game from the beginning. It wasn't about setting up any moves. It wasn't about – you know, testing what the offense was trying to do. They came at him on that first drive, and then right after that interception, the defense stepped up to a level that I had not seen them this season yet. Yeah. And I, so I, I, for all the people out there that watched that game, you know, it was one of the close games again, frustrating to some people because we are a better football team, but I also thought that it was encouraging because we put ourselves in a position where we got to see – what the defense can do. And prior to that game on the broadcast, I was on the pregame show with Josh Klingler and Dan Israel, and I said, in this game, as far as the defense is concerned, I think a lot of people want to see, want to be able to walk away from the game and say, that's a Super Bowl defense. Yep, That's it. Lord, no matter what the score is, that's the Super Bowl defense we need. And I think that question was answered. And you still got to win. So there's not, there's not a whole bunch you can critique a 14-1 and team, even though there are, there are outlets on TV and sports shows and all that that have to figure out how to take up four hours of time every single day. So they're going to nitpick. But we saw a Super Bowl-caliber defense against a very strong offense with a lot of weapons. With a linebacker with little to no experience with playing linebackers, defense in, a, in an actual exactly, game. Exactly, yep. yep. Um, you had rookies starting on the offense and playing significant time on the on, on, on the defense, I should say. Yeah. Uh, rookies playing significant time on the defense because of injuries to Anthony Hitchens, Damian Wilson. You had Ben Neiman go out during the game. So you had Willie Gay Jr., Darius Harris, Legarius Sneed, you, uh, Mike Dana, you had, there were times where you had four, five guys on the defense that were rookies on the field contributing, yeah. making plays. The party, the 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 fumble that was caused by the Chiefs defense was a, a trio of rookies making a play on the hit, the fumble, and the scoop. Yeah, and to me, there's a lot to be said in that when you have guys that had not Darius Harris hadn't even played a defensive snap. Willie Gay Jr. had played defense but was mostly relegated to special teams. And LeJarius Sneed, to me, should be one of the main considerations as rookie of the year on the defensive side of the ball for how he's played. And even with missing games because of injury. So, encouraging win. A lot to be taken away from in that game. Mm -hmm. And um, now we're sitting ourselves in a position uh, that we wanted to be in. at the top of the food chain, looking down at everybody with mm-hmm. some decisions to be made going forward. Yeah, I mean, and look, we're giving the Chiefs all the praise, you know, when it comes to them being able to close out these games, but let's not take anything away from the Falcons. Yeah. I mean, Matt Ryan, he really, he came up, he he came out and he really, 
you know, prove why he's still a, pre- a pretty good quarterback in this league. Yeah, darn I good. mean, I, th- I believe he had less than 10 incompletions the whole game. Um, and I believe at one point yeah. heading into the fourth quarter, he only had four of those incompletions all game. Yeah, yeah 27 so, of 35 in the game for yeah. 277 yards. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he played, 10. yeah so he played pretty well, and he and he put this offense in, in, in good situations. Um, but like we talked about, the defense, they definitely stepped up. They played well. I think uh, TK, he might have had a, a hand on that field goal. Yeah, I did I see. We didn't recognize that. it during the game. But I did see on Twitter yeah. that he showed that he then he chimed in. Chiefs posted something of uh, the video, and then he chimed in and said, "Yeah, I got a finger on it." Yeah. So guys are stepping up. Guys are really Daniel stepping Passanio up. Daniel got that done, and you know the best kicker statistically in the league, Young Way Koo for the Falcons missed a field goal to tie the game. Yeah, that stinks. But I think even before that, the the rookie cornerback AJ Terrell for the Falcons dropped the pick. Dropped the pick. Yeah, had it. And as soon as he hit the ground, bop, ball popped right on out. So I knew he just felt. I, I, and I text y'all right after it happened. I, I know he have to. He got to feel like poop. Yeah. You know, just you know, to have a, a, a ball in your hands that can change the game. <laughs> you already got the game in hand, and now you got and you you get the pick and you come down with it, and that changes the whole. You know, that changes everything. Yeah. You know, the momentum, that, that, the mindset. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're giving Patrick Mahomes another shot. Lo and behold, he comes through. He came through and he and he took care of business. So yeah. I mean, hats off to the Falcons for for playing a tough game. But the Chiefs, you know, they've been able to prove, show and prove why they're the best team in the league. Being in a position where you know it can be one play away from them losing the game, but them being able to step up and take advantage of the opportunity that, that's in they front of them. Out. Yeah, they figured and it out. And AJ Terrell unfortunately dropped the interception, but that's oh, why he's a defensive back. Been, because he can't catch. If they you, if he could catch, he'd be a wide receiver. I, it's something like that. It's something like that. I mean, yeah, I think it has been something close to that. So, yeah, I hear you on that one. Well, yeah, we normally break the show up into four quarters during this holiday podcast kind of version. We just kind of flow all the way through, let things breathe when it comes to our minds. But the entire show is still continue to be sponsored by our friends at U.S. Bank. Whatever your passion, U.S. Bank can help turn it into your next pursuit. So we're going to get back to the Chiefs as they are sitting in a position of number one seed, a bye, decisions to be made for this week's game against the Los Angeles Chargers. And then also recap, come back around to the youth movement and how that could be a factor in this game against the Chargers. But there was a big story this week, Joe, and it was a a different part of the league in the NFC with the Washington football team. Yep. Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback, or was the quarterback, did not play well, had some ill-advised outings and uh, irresponsible behavior yep. uh, that led up to this past week where then on top of that did not play well, got replaced in the game, and then subsequently was released by the organization. Now, this is a former first-round pick, and what people, when you – when you get a quarterback in the first round, you believe that that is a a franchise quarterback. Absolutely. And now he is unemployed. Passed through waivers. Nobody picked him up. He'll probably have opportunity to be a backup somewhere at some point, if not this year, next season. Hopefully he'll learn from it. But around all that, and we can talk about that as well, were comments made on national television by ESPN's Booger McFarlane. Yeah. Um. A lot of controversy in those comments. And, 
you know, I wanted I wanted to put this out there. I wanted, you know, this is this is what players only is supposed to be about, not just the X's and O's on the field and praising the Chiefs or or hitting them when they're not playing well, but also talking about the real stories, the realness mm-hmm. of stuff that could happen with anybody on the field. There's a component of race. There's a component of youth. There's a component of irresponsibility. A lot of layers to this one situation that Booger talked about and that has now grown wings yeah. in in national sports. Yeah. Um, I have my own thoughts about it in regards to putting no, all those pieces together and some other outside lay, layers that I think should be discussed on this forum. And uh, I want to tackle them, but I want to get your thoughts on it first. You know what? Um, I believe the message that he was trying to say, sometimes – when people talk, you have to look through the words that, that that's being used. So talk about talk about what he said before, and then yeah, what did he say, and yeah. then go yeah. So Booger McFarland, he basically said that you know he see and he's seen it you know throughout his time you know being a, whether he played in the NFL or whether it was after the fact where you know now he's broadcasting and talking about it where he's seen a lot of black athletes come into the league and they're just not ready for it. They don't treat it as a business. They're 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 they don't. Um, you know, see themselves uh, in their careers, you yeah. know, something that something that's going to really, you know, propel them and their family and take them to the next level and start legacy and, and start building a legacy. They don't see it as that. They see it as kids getting money and, and, and trying to get the fame and trying to get people, you know, to follow them on social media and they're not being prepared for the game. And, you know, I think, you know, from that standpoint, yeah, I've, I've seen that too. You know, I've yeah. seen a lot of guys come in and they get money and, you know, they don't know what to do with it. They spend it because they, they're not used to having it. I mean, I was one of those young guys as well me too. coming into the league. You know, I didn't have anyone telling me, you know, how to budget and how to, you know, do things with my money. I didn't have that luxury of having a household where I can have parents to – Educate and 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 teach me about it. So yeah, I got I I understood what he was saying from that standpoint. But I think the words that he was using, it just wasn't it, it wasn't to me. It, it it was taken. It wasn't used right. Yeah. He, he didn't say he didn't use the, he didn't use the right verbiage. Um. So I understood what he was saying. What he was saying. And yeah, it's true. You know, I mean, we come into the league, we get a bunch of money, and it's all at one time. We get a bunch of people in our faces that we're not used to, mm-hmm. and now we're more so engulfed in people knowing us and wanting to come and see us and wanting to get wanting to get our autograph yeah. and and you know just the things that come with fame and fortune and, and invest. Not, yeah, you get people all out of the woodwork that want you yep. to invest in different things. And, yeah. And give you advice. But, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, and we're just not prepared for it all. Or at least we seem like we are. But then again, when it comes to us, you know, doing exactly what, we, what we're what we paid to do, we're not up for it. We're not taking care of business when, when we need to. So I understood that part. I just – I didn't think – you know, I think it's it's not it's not necessarily just a race thing either. Yeah. I think it's just a lot of young NFL players coming to the league and they want that fame, they want that fortune, they want people to know their name, they want people to buy their jerseys, they want people to follow them on social media. I think that's just the new age. Yeah. They want endorsements. That's, yeah. Those are the type of things that you have to do in order to put yourself out there so that you can capitalize on your time being in the NFL. Because you're not going to get another opportunity like this. So exactly. I, I I think you know the message itself made sense, but the verbiage it just wasn't it, it wasn't there. Yeah, it wasn't tightened up to the extent that I felt comfortable with. Yeah, I understood the message, and here's here's my take on it. What I've learned 
over many years, but I think has been hugely prevalent during this year, this pandemic, this political cycle, et cetera, is that multiple things can be true. Yep. We live in a society where if you say one thing, then that that's 100% what you believe. Because Booger says something, he 100% believes that if you listen to players only and we say that the Chiefs are a Super Bowl team, we 100% believe it. But we don't. that means because you hear that, then automatically you assume that we don't believe anything else. Right. We don't think there's any, other, there's any other possibilities out there. And in this situation, it, that's the first thing that came to my mind is that Dwayne Haskins in that situation is irresponsible. Yep. There are multiple things that contribute to that that don't necessarily, like you just said, factor into just being a black athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, when I grew up, I grew up with two parents, two grandparents, both sides of the family, uncles and aunts married, all around. When I got money in my pocket, when I got drafted, I bought a car over the phone. Like, I didn't know a lot of the stuff. Now, I was in a responsible house. Parents own a home. Grandparents own homes. Mm -hmm. Still lived in the inner city. But the extent of some of the advice that I got was just be smart. Make sure you're smart with your money. Don't do anything stupid. Okay. I can walk around the landscape of this Kansas City Chiefs kingdom or in Kansas City itself and talk to every 19 to 22-year-old guy a kid and asked and tell them those same things and they would walk away from those conversations the same way I did. Okay. What does all that mean? Right. Well, like, okay, so I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to do the, the stupidest, stupidest stuff, like go to the mall and spend my, my entire money. But outside of that, there's no meat to what was really given to exactly. me. And that's not a black white thing. Often. Yeah. There are some black – I've read stories this year where there are some rookies and players in the league that have you not spent a game check yet. There are some guys that are living off endorsements. Yep. There are some players that are living because they were on practice squad making $80,000. They have designed their life to live off of – that $80,000 minus taxes, even though they're still now making $450,000. Yeah. There are guys that, are, that have dialed in to be responsible with their money based on what they've learned. But now you have a situation where you have a quarterback that is just in the beginning of his career mm-hmm. and has yet to learn that. Right. So, and he just happens to be black. Now, one of the problems I have, because we are now, like I said earlier, we are in a society where one thing gets focused on Mm -hmm. is that you had, and I'm just being real, you had a black man disparaging or what seemed to be disparaging another black man, and you have a white society majority, 63% of the United States is white, listening to that. Mm -hmm. And they get to perceive from that conversation what could fit into stereotypes, what could contribute to some of their political views or what have you, and the this is that's the fodder, that's the meat that they get from it, and that's disappointing to me. Yeah, because that's not necessarily true. Because there's a Dwayne Haskins, there's also a Johnny Manziel. Mm-hmm. There are guys that are in and out of the league that do things. Some get highlighted and some don't. But I also know a whole bunch of teens that went to college and failed out that are going to college and partying and only there because the parents are paying their, their bill. Yep. I know f- 
athletes that are in school that school is not necessarily a priority. But I also know students, and I've been around students, that are the same. Uh, people always talk about athletes taking the easy road through college. There's not one class that I ever took at the University of Iowa, no matter how easy or hard it was, that the, that the majority of the kids in class were athletes. Not one. In the whole university. There's not one of my friends that went to classes that may have taken easier elective classes during the season than they did in all, when they got into their major and taking the major classes that ever said, yo, there's 20 kids in this class. 18 of them were athletes. Right. No. There's other students in classes that recognize that that class is not necessarily as difficult. And based on what they wanted their college experience to be, they took the lighter load of electives knowing that they were going to be business majors or finance majors or whatever else, communications yeah. majors or whatever else. So there's a, there's a stereotype out there that I think is very unfair. And unfortunately, there are people who will read into Booger's comments and the Dwayne Haskins situation and tie the stereotype together. He fed it, though. But he yeah, he fed yeah. the fire. Yeah, he, he, he added to fed the, the fire, fire based yeah. on how he said it, like you said. Yeah, and I think that w- that's that's a conversation that you need to have with Dwayne. That's not a conversation that you have on TV, you know, basically saying that you're mad at this young man and you haven't reached out to him to try to give him any words yeah. of encouragement, trying to help him out in any form of form of fashion but instead of that you're bringing them down like he's, and in he's, this society unfortunately we are living in a social media society a twist of news where oftentimes and i can say it as a black man and, and joe you're a black man as well and yep. this is not anything negative to the white race but there are spins on black youth stories about black youth that get spun in a way that doesn't necessarily present the entire truth. Exactly. Yeah, and it happens. It happens all the time. And um, it's unfortunate, you know, that situations like this come up. But I think, you know, with it, with it is coming up, it's good to have people out there to decipher, you know, to be able to break down what he's saying and not necessarily, um, you know, go with every single word that he said or, or hang from every single every single word that he let come out of his come out of his mouth. It's all about being able to you know, get the, the, the absolute truth yeah. about what he's saying and be able to not only, you know, take it in and, and process it, but be able to share that same information with the other youngest that's coming up in the world today. And the other part of it is, and I coached travel baseball. I've coached college athletes in baseball. I've, I coached high school football for two years, but baseball is my thing. Uh, I coached baseball for 11 years. Guys are playing college, playing in the pros right now. I've coached. I've mentored. From the beginning, I've always told I told them, I told the parents, I told people that whoever wanted to have the conversation. The toughest players to coach are the best athletes. Yep. Part of the reason is because they recognize or have recognized for years up until you coach them that they've been better than everybody else on the court or on the field. So now you're trying to instill some coaching where they've never really needed it. Right. And now you're trying to break them down and build them up so they can be better than what their God-given ability has shown. You insert this Dwayne Haskins situation, um, and to me, there's an aspect that can be food for thought in 
He's always been one of the greater players, greater athletes. Even at Ohio State, yeah. he was one of the greater players, greater athletes. And now he gets to the league and he's sitting in the room with Alex Smith, who was a great athlete but learned, who had terrible numbers, terrible stats early in his career, yeah. and learned how to be a pro. Had time to learn how to be a pro. Had time. That's the most important Boom. thing. Had time to learn how to be a pro and was able to reinvent his career to where it is now. And you have a young guy that happens to be black, that happens to be a quarterback. First-round pick. A first-round pick, just like a Johnny Manziel and others, who came into the league as the best athlete that they've basically been throughout high school, Pop Warner, and college, and never really needed to dive into film, never really needed to dive into studying, and got thrown into the fire as a rookie. Yeah. We have the luxury here in Kansas City that Patrick Mahomes did not get thrown into the fire as a rookie. He got to sit behind that same quarterback and learn his ways. Now, if Patrick Mahomes rewind 15 years or whatever, how long Alex Smith has been in the league and would have sat in the room with Alex Smith back then, who knows if those same work ethics were there where he could have tagged along and kind of mimicked. But right now in this situation, we got the best of both worlds. We had a, a great quarterback who became a great tutor who opened the door for one could be the greatest quarterback to play the game. Yep. And Dwayne Haskins is not is kind of in that same situation in reverse because he played, then got thrown behind him, yep. then learned from him. So the jury's still out on Dwayne Haskins. I understand what Booger McFarlane was talking about. I I I, I believe part of it is true, but I also don't believe that the part that's true should be the main part that is focused on. Yeah, and this isn't just a Dwayne Haskins situation. Yeah. I believe whenever you bring in any young guys, whether it's through the draft, whether it's through uh, free agency, you always want to have people in place to kind of help guide that, mm-hmm. help guide them, have players in place, you know, to help be like in a mentor in a mentorship situation. Yep. And I don't think they really set him up for success being having a mentorship situation. Well, look at that look at that organization. The Washington Washington football team is in turmoil. They yes, have just changed absolutely. over their coach. The owner is being sued. They they've been pushed to to sell the uh the ownership rights to the team. They don't even have a name. Yeah. All of the stuff that's going on there, how do you foster a culture to bring up a player yeah. uh, of the of the caliber of Dwayne Haskins. So yeah, I agree with you. I think the jury is still out on him. Uh, he has an opportunity. I just don't want us to focus on what the perceived negatives are and the conspiracy theories or whatever behind why he is not, you know, playing like, uh, you know, the the other like Josh Josh Allen or somebody in the league who right. who came in with the same type in the same type of position a first round pick and so on we have to recognize that there are th- multiple things are true yeah multiple things can be true you I can be when I signed my baseball contract I bought a car over the phone that's irresponsible mm-hmm. but I have five kids raised five kids then done well since I retired from football. That can be true too. If there, if if everybody would have, if there would have been social media back then, and I would have been killed for spending money 
on uh, over the phone. Over the phone for a who call, knows yeah. how what the transformation would have made for me to be a family man, husband, father of five. College degree, all that stuff. Yeah, and with time, you were able to mature, and yeah. you were able to become a professional. And he hasn't had that time yet. Yeah. So I, I believe, you know, yes, a lot of what Booger said was true, but I, I believe in this situation, you want to, you want to actually reach out to him and be able to talk with him and be a mentor to him, so that he can not only become a better football player, but become a more mature person and a better man because of it, and to learn to become a better professional. And yep. I think. And All we he as, needs is time. Yeah, and we as fans need to have a little bit more grace uh, when it comes to athletes because I guarantee you there are some of the same stories in the NHL, in professional soccer, with, with people that don't look like Dwayne Haskins that we just don't hear about because it's not uh, worthy of a national story. Right. Uh, and we need to be cognizant of that as well. Don't put everything in the same box because I guarantee there are a lot of us out there who have had kids that failed out of school mm-hmm. that didn't make the right decisions once they graduated that wasted their money or inheritance or got a, a load of money bonuses when they went to different companies and wasted it or different things there's you know there's a lot of big old shiny buildings in Vegas is not because they lose money and it's not because only a certain demographic of people or athletes go there or entertainers go there so there are a lot of people that are out there that do crazy things, but we're still here on this earth and we still have an opportunity to resurrect our careers and our lives. And we wish the best for Dwayne Haskins. Heck, I wish the best for Johnny Manziel and every other player that's, come, that's gone through any professional sports or college sports and has, has kind of gotten a curveball thrown at them or maybe turned left when they, turned, when they should have turned right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a little bit of a, us standing on a – a pedestal, I guess, and hopefully people don't think that we're trying to preach to anybody out there because players only. We just try to be as real as possible. We try to have fun, but sometimes there's just stuff that goes on out there that we need to tackle. Absolutely. And for and we are definitely blessed to be able to tackle that each and every week here. And our friends at U.S. Bank are our sponsors, and we love them as well. But U.S. Bank, whatever your passion, U.S. Bank can help turn it into your next pursuit. I'm sure there'll be more that we'll discuss about that, Joe, over the next few weeks as, as free agency unfolds and playoffs unfold and you have all this the shuffling of players, the, the uh, prognosticators talking about who's going to become a free agent, who's franchise, who's going to be released from teams that are not in the playoffs. But we are in a situation where we'll be continuing to play at least for another two weeks into January. And uh, so that's got to be a fun place to be. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, I think we're in a position where now we're trying to figure out, or and I'm speaking about the Chiefs team, and of course I'm saying we because we're a part of it. Yep, yep. <laughs> but uh, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with our starters for this for this next week in in preparation for the playoff game. And in my eyes, the way I see it, you don't want to allow your guys to have too much time off. Yeah. So what I I would treat this as if it's a preseason game. You can let your guys play at least the maybe the first quarter, uh, maybe uh, first half. You know, just to allow them to continue to get that experience, build that momentum going into playoff ball, um, so that they can so that they can just hit on all cylinders when it comes time. But allow them to go out there and continue to play and continue to you know just have that that build that rhythm and 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 have a feel for the game as far as you know what coach Reed wants to go out there and put out there, uh, what Dave Tobe wants to put out there. Yeah. 
um, and, and and just you know just trying to figure out you know how to. Um, continue to use that momentum and play better football going into the playoffs. So, yeah, I would say first quarter, first half, let them get that experience, let them get that playing time, and then toss your young guns in there yep. and allow them to gain that experience as well so that they can be prepared for playoff ball. And you know what? It's interesting. And one thing I think has to be made clear to a lot of the fans, everybody's going to have an opinion yep. about this and what should be done over these next this next week. And then you have two weeks off, basically, with the bye and – full seven days up until that either Saturday or Sunday of the divisional round, there's only 48 spots that you have to have active on the team. Yeah. Uh, the rosters have been extended to, I believe, 60 this year. Plus you have practice squad guys. Andy Reid is one of the best in the NFL and has been at elevating and demoting guys on special on practice squad to get a taste, contribute, then maybe they may need to go back to practice squad and yep. come back up later and so on and so forth. But you only have 48 slots that you have to suit up on Sundays. With that being said, you can't sit every starter. So there are people out there that said, we're going to sit all of our starters. You can't sit. You can't. This is not high school. This is not college where you suit up at the University of Iowa. you got got 100 guys on a home game on the sideline where you can rotate everybody that's not redshirting into the game. Yeah. Um, you have to suit up 48. So I, I I have the depth chart of the Chiefs, and I'm looking up and down this depth chart, and the first thing that pops into my mind, Joe, is if you sit the starters, we have backups that are contributing in great fashion. Yeah. And the backups that are contributing in great fashion, part of the reason they're contributing in great fashion is because they're a backup, and they're contributing on special teams. Yep. So they're getting the speed of the game on both of those phases. Now what are you going to ask them to play? All 65 to 7? We, we, against the Saints, we had 92 plays on offense. That means the Saints defense played 92 plays 92 on defense. Snaps. <laughs> 92 snaps. Yeah. Average is what, 65, 65. to 70-something? Yep. You're asking, I don't care how young they are, how spry they are, how young legs they have. You're asking a young guy to go out there and play 60-something plays and all the special teams plays. like, And like then <laughs> be a viable backup like he's been for 15 games come the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah. Like, that's not feasible. So in the mindset of playing backups and resting our starters, you have to be uh, strategize. You have to strategize. Yep. And what you're going to do with those guys. People want to see DeAndre Baker, second-year guy, former first-round pick. Uh, we got, and he's on practice squad. He's been inactive. He was inactive last week. He was active before. Uh, you may see more of Armani Watts, but you got four safeties listed. Tyron Matthew, Daniel Sorensen, Juan Thornhill, Armani Watts. All four contribute. Yeah. Who are you going to sit? That's a tough. You one. can't, right? Like you really, you literally just can't. You yeah. might be able to sit Tyron and Sorensen, and you play. Now you're relegated to just playing a base personnel because mm -hmm. you can't play much nickel. You got Legarius Sneed as the backup corner, but he's also the nickel. Yep. You can't sit him. No. You can't sit Sarvarius Ward and Bashar Breeland because then you'd have to play Rashad Fenton, who also plays in the nickel and dime packages and special teams and special teams. Yeah. Darius Harris, last week we had four linebackers active. Willie Gay, Ben Neiman, Darius Harris, and we had another guy that Omar 
uh, oh gosh, I can't remember his last name. Omar, that was elevated uh, during the week. Mm-hmm. Ben Neiman goes down with an injury. Down to three. Who are you going to be? Like, who, <laughs> you can't do it. Yeah. Offensively, you you got to be able to to be strategic with who you start. Offensive line. Mike Remmers has been in and out. He played last game. Eric Fisher. Both of those guys have had back issues. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be strat. You got to be strategic in what you do. You see, Durant can be a guy. Martinez Rankin can be a guy that steps in. But Stefan Wisniewski is listed as a backup. He started two weeks ago against the Saints. Yeah. So it's you know I say all that because that's when it becomes real, is when you look at these the numbers and the names. I thought it was interesting that we we had all four tight ends active last game. Mm-hmm. To me, that seems to be a precursor that you're trying to get those other guys into the mix because you probably plan on sitting Travis Kelsey. Who deserves it? Who deserves it? Uh, we already know the position at quarterback. Patrick Mahomes will likely sit. You got Chad Henney, who's used to that position. Yep. But now Clyde Edwards Alaire is down. So Darrell Williams had a significant role. You got Darwin Thompson is the only running back that has not seen a lot of play this year. Who needs that experience? Who needs some experience? But you still need another running back. Yeah. So who like I mean, you can continue to go through the Sammy Watkins goes down with a calf in- injury. Demarcus Robinson catches the game winning touchdown. Byron Pringle just came back from being off an of injury reserved. And now getting back in a flow. That's three of our five active receivers. Who are you going to sit? Tyreek Hill, nursing a hamstring. Who are you going to sit? Who are you going to elevate? Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of decisions to be made out there. The cool thing is that although we just sounded like like everything's negative, <laughs> um, this is a great position to be in. I think it is. And I, I, it and is. I agree with you. I say all that because I agree with you in that. To me, the strategy would be you play you play everybody – Start everybody in regards to pregame, uh, warm-ups, normal routines all through the week, and treat it like a preseason game. Have them go out there for the first drive, maybe the first quarter. They've gone through all the warm-ups, all all the preparation, and then you have them come sit down. Now, the week of the bye week, you know what? You're running the risk. Every team that's ever been – in a number one or two seed in playoffs, I've run the risk of being rusty by sitting for a full week in a bye. Yeah. It does, there's nothing you can change about that. There's no scrimmage that's going to happen during the bye week that's going to keep them uh, fo- you know, set in their ways and on point. You just have to be able to recognize that the rest is necessary at this juncture of the season. What, what are the rules when it comes to bringing up guys and putting them back down? Well, there you can bring guys up, and here's a cool thing that I think Andy does, and I don't know if he does it on purpose, but you know as well as I do, in order to get an accrued season in the NFL, you have to play four games. Yep. That's how you are considered, I'm a one-year guy, two-year guy, I got, I got four games in. Yep. Um, he has a knack for bringing up guys, and it seems like a lot of them get their four games in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool because that affects your retirement. It affects your benefits. Yep. It affects you know things that will help you lifelong by just getting those four games. Yeah. And who's to say that they deserve to be on practice squad the entire season? Who's to say they don't deserve to be on somebody else's roster and vying for a position to be active every game? But the fact that you have a coach that's aware mm-hmm. or it looks at least seems to be aware oh, yeah. is really cool. That's when you're talking about players coach. To me, that's one of those those bullet points under a player's coach that I think is really cool. But, yeah, in your question, you can bring guys up. 
especially during this season, mm-hmm. and you're not married to them for every single week, which I think is cool as well. And that could that could happen this week. Yeah. I mean, they can bring up just about every single guy that's been, that's been on practice squad, bring them up and allow them to play this last game. And get what that do you experience. accomplish? And what do you accomplish? What was the when you were playing and when I was playing? Mm-hmm. What did what was accomplished by being brought up for one game or during the preseason? A game 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 plan experience. Game playing experience. That's the most important thing. And also film. Yes. You get on film yes. for the other 31 teams to be able to see you. And we can look around the NFL and see a lot of players that started with the Chiefs mm-hmm. or had a had a cup of coffee with the Chiefs and now are flourishing elsewhere because of the film they were able to get on while they were in this jersey. Yeah, and Andy Reid, he's great at that. He yeah. actually talks about that. Yeah. I mean, he talks about that leading up to training camp, you know, being able to, to you know, to really help yourself when you do get that opportunity to get on film so that, you know, not only can you make this team, but you can make the other 31 teams in the NFL. He, That's right. he literally tells that to all of his guys that come come through that door. So he does a great job of being able to help, you know, each individual understand the importance. Uh, whenever you whenever you, you hit that field, you got to make sure you put your best foot forward. Amen. I think it's cool. We have a quality organization yep. with uh, outstanding ownership and the the – the accolades can roll downhill from the ownership and Brett Veach and and Andy Reid and, and Mark Donovan and on the business side all the way down to everybody in that organization, security as well, as well as what we see on the field. So we definitely, during this holiday season, recognizing the blessings that we have with this Kansas City Chiefs team. And they have one more game where we'll get to see some young talent, possibly the future of this Chiefs organization, and hopefully will keep us on the championship level. And then we got the playoffs. But before the playoffs, we'll have a couple more shows, a couple more players-only opportunities to get in studio. Barbershop will be back with us, healthy and ready to go, uh, adding some input from his perspective, whether I like it or not. <laughs> you normally don't like it. <laughs> yeah, but we'll have fun nonetheless. And we appreciate everybody out there who is tuning in during the quirks and twists of this holiday season. Players-only via the podcast. Again, Brought to you by our friends, sponsored by U.S. Bank, whatever your passion. U.S. Bank can help turn it into your next pursuit. Joe, have a blessed, safe, and happy new year. Absolutely. And for everybody out there listening, you all do the same. I'm Danon Hughes. That's Joe Mays. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.